Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today's episode is just us. I love hearing from you. Please always keep in mind, it is so helpful to me when you subscribe, rate, ideally with five stars, and write a little review. And please, if you're enjoying all of this, subscribe to my newsletter, draliza.bulletin.com. And the newsletter is free. And there's also a paid premium subscription that includes extra content from the podcast, as well as live community Q&As and sessions like we're going to do one that's just a live Q&A about discipline and all the topics that you kind of want to cover where it feels like you need interaction and not just a lecture. So for that, I tried to keep it as accessible as possible. It's draliza.bulletin.com. It's $4.99 a month. And if you subscribe this week and you take a picture of your receipt and DM me, I'm going to be choosing 10 people to send drum roll a mug that says raising good humans. You probably have seen it if you follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty into it. It's just fun. And I would love to send you something. So now that I've gotten through housekeeping, I really want to talk to you today about what's been going on and respond to all of your DMs about how to get through talking about Ukraine with your kids, specific conversations by age, and also whether or not you should even be having these conversations. Now, keep in mind, this is mostly targeted at parents who are not near this conflict and who do not have family directly involved. That's a totally separate thing. I'm also going to address at the end military families because I got a couple of DMs about that. So let me just say, I am right here with you. There have just been so many things thrown at parents and we just have to keep on going. So when events in the world get heavy and scary and tragic, there are so many different ways to respond. Many of us respond by fixating on the news and just 
really keeping track of everything in a way that is feeling like we can control something because we're just making sure that we have all the information. But really, it can become so obsessive and not super productive and take you away from being able to be present as a parent. And it's not great for your psyche, even if you're not a parent and you're just trying to take care of yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep up with the news, that we all need to be informed, that we need to support people who are in need and we need to know the reality of the world. It's just to say that there is a difference between compassion and empathy that goes so far that it actually lights up your pain centers and causes burnout. And then you can't help anybody. So keeping enough of a distance that you are able to think about how you can proceed and move through the world in a way where you can function and you can take care of your family is very important. And then of course, taking care of the wider world. It's also for some people, a time to just shut it all out, not pay any attention to what's going on and just say, I can't handle it. I have to shut down because I can't handle the stress. The problem with that is of course, there's a whole world around you of people and community that need to know that you know what's going on. And so ideally you find a way to take time each day to take a deep breath and check in with what's going on so that you are able to have conversations with your family, with the people that you hold dear in your community. And again, to help you feel a little bit more proactive in this world. But we want to just keep it to focus times when you know that you can pay attention without kids watching, without kids listening, unless they are much, much older. So teenagers. And even then, you really want to teach adaptive ways of paying attention to the news, resources that are really much more focused on giving you information and much less focused on giving you shock or telling you things to keep you engaged and freak you out and keep you on that station. And also you're modeling for your older kids being responsible consumers of news and knowing when you've had enough and you need to take a break. And when events in the world are tragic and scary and you have younger kids, it's really understandable that you want to protect them completely and not expose them at all. And of course, our instinct is to let them believe that the world is safe and that bad things don't happen for as long as possible. And while that is absolutely true for babies and toddlers, it is for school-age kids not true. And that's because even though we want them to know they are safe, we still need to acknowledge what's going on so that we can manage the information that they're getting because they will be getting it from other people. Kids are incredibly attuned to our emotional states. Kids understand tension. Kids feel it in their nervous system. So even if you have a smile, if you are hiding feelings, you're not actually protecting them. They can sense when something's going on and when it's not right. So if you close the door and whisper or even talk about things in front of them, but that feel like it's over their head, they're not really paying attention, know that without an adult explaining what's happening, children's imaginations are far more creative than what is actually happening. And they may even create scenarios that are worse than reality, though it's hard to imagine. 
But we all know what going to that catastrophic worst case scenario thinking is. So imagine if children overhear something and then turn it into meaning something far worse than it is, even though reality is pretty bad right now. I really just want you to take that in because your kids need to know straightforward information, not too much for their nervous system and not too much for their temperament. But they do need to know if you are talking about it or if they're going to be around other people who are talking about it, which means they leave the house at all, that you're the person who's going to give them information. So there is a war in Ukraine that is absolutely all over the news. It is all over social media. It is all over conversations. People's hearts are heavy. So we have to get in front of explaining it with our kids. Otherwise, they're going to explain it to each other. They're going to learn from kids who are a little bit older. They may learn it at school and you may disagree with the way they're learning it at school. I really hope that you feel inspired in all of the conversations that we have, because really none of this is new information, what I'm sharing with you. It's just, I'm translating what you already know into how to navigate this time with your kids. And this particular situation is really scary because people are talking about nuclear war and World War III and they're referencing, you know, the past coming back to haunt us and reliving things that we thought would never again happen. If you are talking about it, if you are reading about it, if you are watching it unfold on TV, know that your children are aware. I cannot stress that enough. It is okay to have strong feelings about current events. It is okay for your children to see your strong feelings. What they need to know is that you know how to contain your strong feelings, that you know how to take care of yourself, and that you know how to take care of them. And then truly, as long as they feel safe and they know that you know how to take care of yourself, they don't have to take care of you, that's enough. Now, I want to encourage you to also think as you're talking with kids about their temperament. Some kids are maybe developmentally ready to hear about what's going on in the world, but they are very anxious and they do go down that road of worst case scenario thinking. If you know that about your kid, give them small, manageable bites of information and teach them the very important skill of not ruminating. So set aside some time, answer some questions, and then say, you know what? This is not urgent. We're going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. Now, Of course, this is an urgent situation. I'm not suggesting that. But in terms of your child, it is not urgent that they know every single fact today. It is just urgent that you let them know that something is happening and that other people are talking about it and that if they have any questions, they can come to you and you will be there to help them understand. I know I've said this many times, but I want to say it again. I am an expert in developmental psychology. I'm an expert. I say this in quotes, even though you can't see in the social, emotional, and cognitive development of a human being from birth through the lifespan. I am not an expert in who you are. I am not an expert in who your kids are. And only you are the expert on your kids. They are learning to be the expert on themselves as well. And you're helping them in that process. But I cannot speak to each individual. So I can tell you what I know generally. And then I hope you can translate it so it makes sense for your family. So if you have preschoolers, which is what I'm going to start with, 
really modify anything that I'm saying so that it's as mild and as straightforward and as concise as possible and just a little bit more than you imagine they need to know. If you think they don't need to know anything, you just want to give them the absolute minimum facts so they understand what's happening in terms of your own emotional state or why you've been watching the news or why everyone's talking about it, if they are, if you have older siblings, if this has any impact on your wider community, then that's when you would mention it. Otherwise, you really don't need to talk about it beyond, you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds for sure do not need to get into this conversation. Four-year-olds, again, it really depends on their temperament your emotional state, and who and what they're exposed to. When it comes to school-age kids, that's when it's pretty much absolutely necessary that you talk to them. So anybody younger, it really is going to be situation and context dependent. But once they're school-aged, remember, they are learning it from someone. Let that someone be you. It's also important that when you get in front of things, they keep learning that you are the person who they can always count on to let them know. Doesn't mean that school won't teach them. It just means they're not going to hear about major events at school before they hear it from you. You're going to let them know, hey, you may hear about this at school. I just want to take a quick break to tell you about my sponsor, Blue Land. There are 5 billion plastic hand soaps and cleaning bottles that are thrown away each year and each bottle can be made of more than 90% water. So let's stop wasting water and throwing out more plastic. Get Blue Land's revolutionary refill cleaning system instead. A lot of people think of eco-friendly products as more expensive and less effective, especially when it comes to cleaning. And even when it says all natural, you're not really sure if it gets the job done. Blue Land has fixed that with its revolutionary refill tablets. And I really just love their mission, which is that Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. It's a really simple idea. You buy the bottle once and you refill it forever. No more plastic waste. And it's easy and convenient. They have a best-selling clean essentials kit. They have a hand soap duo. Blue Land offers safe and smart options for every inch of your home. And... Blue Land has even teamed up with Disney to create a little collection of hand soap forever bottles designed with Mickey and friends' whimsical personalities in mind. So cut the plastic waste without sacrificing convenience or clean and get Blue Land. You will love it and the planet will thank you. So right now, get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash humans. That's 20% off your first order of absolutely any products at blueland.com slash humans, blueland.com slash humans. Okay. So there, I just did what I want to tell you to do. A deep breath before you have any conversation. You can count to four in, hold for four, breathe out for four, or whatever works for you. The key is that before you have any difficult conversation or any time really in life, you want to be present. A breath is so powerful because your entire nervous system changes and you don't have to say a thing. The people around you will notice, you will notice, 
it changes your body language, and it helps you regulate. It always helps to put your hand on your heart. That's a little oxytocin hit. And it's just a great practice to put your hand on your heart, take a deep breath, and just remind yourself your feet are on the floor. You can feel the air on your cheeks. And you are in that moment doing okay. Now you're in a place where you can have a conversation and your nervous system isn't having a separate conversation. Then you can say to your school-aged kids, tell me if you've heard what's happening in Ukraine or tell me what you've heard about what is happening in Ukraine or I'm curious what you know about Ukraine and I'm here to answer any questions. By now, your children will have heard about it. If they haven't, you can say, Russia has invaded Ukraine, or you can say the leadership in Russia has made the decision to invade Ukraine. And as with any war, people will be hurt. People will lose their lives. They will be killed. And that's why grownups seem sad right now, because they care about people who are hurting. And it feels very hard to know that someone's hurt or someone's going to be hurt and you can't help them. And also you are safe and I am safe. We care about the experiences of people even when we don't know them and even when they are far away from us. And that's what is happening. Then as always in any conversation, take a pause. That pause might feel long to you. It's actually not that long to take a pause. You don't have to make a formal count to three, but I do want to encourage a pause in any conversation where you give information that may be difficult to take in because that lets the information land. And then you can see what your child has to say. There are plenty of children who will say, okay, can I have my snack? Or can I still go to soccer practice? And that's fine. Say, absolutely. I just wanted to let you know I'm here if you have any questions. And go ahead back to business as usual for them. They don't need to feel it as deeply. It doesn't mean that they're not an empathetic person or that they're going to you know, be cruel in life because they don't care. It's so abstract to them. There are also going to be kids. You know those kids. They have so many questions and you want to make room for absolutely any reaction. So again, if they're not interested or they're not sad, you've told them, you've done your job. They're not now picking up unspoken cues of our collective distress, our individual distress, and they're just going to go about their day. But if they have questions, help them understand. If they have factual questions, you can give them as many facts as you're familiar with, or you can bring them to look things up so that you can find things out together. I really want to recommend age-appropriate news sources like Newzella. And those are news sources that I'll put the link in the show notes, but they really adjust the news to different ages. Many schools use those programs because they have kind of adapted newspapers for kindergarten, for third grade, for fifth grade. So the information gets more advanced with age. If your child is repeating misinformation, 
because you've said, tell me what you know, and they're giving you a little bit of what they know, it's a great time to help them think about how to find more reliable and valid resources and to help them understand when they hear something, they should check with you because you can help dispel any myths. You can help make sure that they get accurate information, but you're so happy that they were interested in sharing with you so that they don't feel like, oh, embarrassed. And try to answer only the questions that they've asked and resist going into really long explanations. Sometimes we project what they might be thinking about. And so we go into long-winded conversations that they just don't have. For example, we might think that World War III is more meaningful as a terrifying thought because we know the history. We understand about nuclear weapons. We understand the implications of a third world war. We understand the implications of a second world war. They don't know that. They just know that people are talking about this idea of World War III. So if you go into this long-winded answer about nuclear weapons, you may be going into something that they weren't even thinking about. So I just want to remind everybody, they don't have our history. They don't have our emotional baggage. They do not have knowledge about World War II. And even if they do, they don't understand why it's quite different and what all of the implications are. You might want to explain it, but again, small doses, depending on age, and just try to remember that they don't have the same weight when they say things as we do. This is not going to be one and done in a conversation. This will be many conversations. I mean, it would be wonderful if this is the end of this conversation. And yet we have to understand that most things are not one and done and they're overtime conversations. And I want to remind you that when you can't answer a question, just tell them. We don't need to be all-knowing. It can be actually really empowering for kids to find out that we don't know. Now, it is disempowering and slightly anxiety-provoking when you constantly hear parents saying, I don't know, we've never seen this before. This is unprecedented. And unfortunately for our children and for us, this has been an answer that we've been giving for quite a while now about many things. What you can do to make it empowering is to say, these are really good questions. You know, I'm not as familiar with the history of this particular country. I'm not as familiar with the history of this particular part of the world. And I would love to learn a little bit more with you. And you can also say something like, these are really complex questions. And if they don't know what the word complex is, you can say, these are really complex questions. Complex means that it's not something I can just answer very simply and easily. And so I'm going to try to figure out a way together with you to come up with a good answer. And you can turn it into an investigation and an understanding that we don't always have answers and that that's not the end of the world. So it doesn't have to be an apology that you don't have the answers. It's a way to really understand something that many adults, most of us, are not comfortable with, which is certain things are not in our control, certain things are not at our disposal information-wise, and certain things don't make sense to us. And that is okay. Getting comfortable with the idea that we can't solve 
problems all the time for our children or for ourselves is a wonderful way to make peace with the discomfort of uncertainty. And it isn't going anywhere. That is part of life. So the earlier you can get more comfortable with the discomfort instead of trying to put it away or pretend it's not there or fix it, actually, the more resilient you are. So I really want to remind everybody, we've had to lean on this many times, stick to routines. Whenever things in the world feel uncertain, even when it's far away, sticking with routines, leaning on routines, leaning on rituals, making family rituals so that you can keep things as stable as possible for your child and for yourself is so valuable. It might seem silly, but if you can at least know what you're going to have for breakfast and that you have movie night on Friday night, then you have certainty in the world. And so that feels really safe. Find it. If you have left routine or just gotten rid of that stuff because it was just all too hard to manage, remove the exciting stuff, remove the attempts to make everything more fun because you feel bad because kids have just had a raw deal and recognize that routine is so comforting that it may be that that's what you need to focus on. And if you notice that your child's having anxiety around any of these conversations, let them know there are strategies and ways to remain informed and take care of your emotions. As I said earlier, when you're modeling for your older children, how to take in information, but not get into a cycle of ruminating and co-ruminating with your family members and your friends and your children, you're going to give them this reassurance that it is both totally true that it makes sense to feel anxious and that that doesn't mean that you need to sit in that anxious soup all the time, that there's a time and a place for it, and then you can put it aside. And also that feeling a little bit anxious isn't the end of the world. It's not like you're going to get rid of it. It's just having anxiety over for coffee, but not inviting anxiety over for dinner. With teenagers, that's going to be so huge because they have so much information. The tweens and teens are talking about this in school. Many of them are on social media. Many of them are hearing and seeing more than their parents are. Some of them are explaining things. It's a great opportunity with older kids to have them tell you what they know and actually learn from them. Again, they have this really beautiful way of not hanging on to the baggage that we have with some of the trigger words from what's going on in this conflict. World war is not as meaningful to them. Horrifying to us because we understand the worst case scenario in a different kind of way than they do. But with that comes this really beautiful ability for them to take in information and not go into a stress response and not panic. So learn from them, hear what they're saying. And if they're giving you misinformation or you feel like they are catastrophizing, then that's a good time to say, let's play this out in a different way. Or let's rethink how much news you're consuming and where you're consuming it. And as always, visual is much more impactful than reading or hearing. So if you can help it, and this goes for adults and kids, encourage reading and listening 
over watching. When kids see images, this was really devastating research from September 11th, when kids saw images on the news of the towers falling up until age seven, they thought that it was something new every time, that those towers kept falling each time. So it really is a a trauma on top of a trauma on top of a trauma in terms of observing. Now, another reminder is that when you stare at other people's trauma, like news stories and hearing stories from people and really sitting in that experience of others. So while you aren't going to be able to control teenagers watching things because you can only just share with them the information that you have about the difference between watching and listening and um, and you can just check in to make sure that they're doing okay. There is never a reason to expose children to TV news. There's just no reason. The graphic details, the scary topics just makes them feel out of control and confused. So you should turn it off. And remember that this is going to be a continued discussion and you can have informed kids who want to get helpful and take action. There are many organizations that you can support to help the Ukrainian people. And all of those things are part of, you know, engaging with your kids, your school-age kids and your teenagers so that they're not just consuming the information and stressing, but they can do something that activates them. So you can take that hopeless feeling and move towards helpfulness. And when you get helpful, you can support yourself and others in a much more useful way, frankly, than if you just sit and lament the pain of watching others suffer. Now, I want to address a couple of other things before I end this one-sided conversation. I want to address a couple of questions that I got about military families. And I want to address a comment from somebody who said you shouldn't talk to kids about this because of vicarious trauma. Now, I'll address the vicarious trauma comment first. Vicarious trauma doesn't happen from having a conversation with your kids about world events in age-appropriate ways and acknowledging your own nervous system and your own feelings and acknowledging that you can take care of yourself and having them have an understanding of the world and what they can do or not do. Vicarious trauma is something that occurs when there's such exposure to survivors of a traumatic incident and so much empathy that it changes your wiring. And that's hopefully not anything like the kind of conversation that I'm talking about. And the problem with Instagram and quick conversations about things is that people throw out pretty intense comments or pretty intense constructs like vicarious trauma and confuse people. So don't get confused about that. Now, we talked a little bit about vicarious trauma when people were watching videos of you know, horrible things that go on in the news, murders, shootings, like things where on social media, things are going around. And if you are 
noticing and obsessive viewing and conversation of the experience of others' trauma, you can certainly get into that. But mostly that's about the community that's suffering or the doctors that are serving them. Now, if you work with trauma survivors, vicarious trauma is a real risk, but that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about communicating with kids. So I was just wanting to say that because, and I love when people comment and have community, so I don't want to inhibit that. But when you when you comment with naming psychological constructs that might confuse people, I feel the need to clarify. And there is such a thing as secondary trauma. And that is when you have kind of nothing to do with it, it's indirect. And you're just experiencing impact from the empathy that's happening from paying such close attention to the experience of others. And that's when you really need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and make sure that you're making the right choices about the information that you're consuming. Nobody is helpful when their pain centers light up from empathizing so much that they cannot function. That, however, is not what we're talking about at all when we're saying we really need to be straight enough with our kids so that they don't make up stories in their head about what's going on or take information from other people. So the other thing that I wanted to address are military families because I got a couple of questions about how to talk to kids if there is a possibility that they're concerned about a war that might impact their parents going. And then I would say, which obviously I hope we don't have to go deeper diving into this, but just keep in mind, just like when doctors and nurses and frontline workers had to talk to their families about having to go out into hospitals to take care of COVID patients. The best way to engage is to explain your job, the heroic act of your job, and what specifically your job is, the way your day will look, and what you will be wearing to protect yourself, and all of the things that make it less of a mystery. And you know, helping them feel proud of the choice that you've made to serve and the choice that you've made to take your power, your superpower and make it good for others. And again, routines, 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 and also listening. Tell me what's on your mind. I'm noticing that you seem more worried. I wonder if you're worried because you hear war and you are afraid that I'm going to be going to war. So those are all conversations to have. The key is always about connection and listening and being present. It's not about having the right thing to say. It's not about fixing feelings. Every single one of you is able to do this. I hope that any of you, teachers, caregivers, parents, guardians, psychologists, healthcare workers, anybody who is listening, anybody who's able to listen is able to do this you've got this. Sometimes it feels like there must be a right answer and I just don't know it. Most of the time you can follow the simple reminder of being present by taking a breath, being a listener, stating what you know to be true and helping support the feelings of others, not by fixing, but by sitting next to them so that they know they are not alone. 
and then you've totally got this. As for the whole world, we do not know. We are all sitting with our hands on our hearts and hoping. And of course, there are ways to give and to serve safely and from afar. Those are things that you can share with each other in this community. I'm certainly happy to continue to have links for people, but in terms of how to communicate with your kids, I hope this is a guide that can help you and then you adjust it for the temperament and circumstance and context of your own family and your own community. 